Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. This is episode, specifically episode 181. The title of the show should be called Moving On, Bruce Berkey, but 181 Moving On. Bruce, Bruce Berkey, I hope you're not moving on from Cinematics and find your film. Are you leaving? Are you giving us a mixed message, Bruce Berkey? Me and Eric are crying right now. What are you doing? I mean, moving on, it's like, it's like getting on with your life and I don't know, like a whole new world. Is there a song for that? Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't mean anything by it. Why are you so paranoid? No, are you giving me some life lessons about time to move, turn another chapter, stopping a podcaster, stopping an interviewer? I'm I, I, moving on. Scary, Eric. Are you scared of moving on, or do you? Are you stuck ceaselessly? You know, boats against the current. I'm ruining the Gatsby quote. Are you stuck in the past? Eric I would Holmes. say I'm moving on, but I am moving on up to the you, east side in a deluxe apartment in the sky. Right, you know why you're moving on, on up to a deluxe apartment uh, from uh, f- to the sky. Thank you for not singing that Jefferson's theme song, Eric Holmes, because everyone there's like millions of people. I don't know if you guys knew this that are buying our Find Your Film and Cinematics merch on findyourfilmpodcast.com. What has been the retail sales from the last two weeks, Eric Holmes? Can you tell our listeners the staggering sales we have received from our merch, findyourfilmpodcast.com? I haven't checked. Probably zero. <laughs> zero dollars? That's it. Yeah. Bruce Perky, zero dollars in some countries or in some universes, that might equate to a million dollars. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, we just got through lots of multiverses. I'm sure there's some multiverse where zero is a lot. The reason why Bruce mentions multiverse and he has no idea that he mentioned it. There are multiverse titles in this. I just noticed this. Multiverse is all about moving on. Episode 181 of Cinematics. Movie titles are Moving On, Supercell, Inside. And finally, the universe multiverse superhero, Wildflower. <laughs> what are these names? Hopefully, some of these names do stick. Teaser for these four movies. Bruce, are any of these multiverse titles, are you going to visit this universe anytime soon on any of these movies? Are you excited or not? I was surprised by the movie I'm most excited about in this grouping. That's, let's say that. Okay. Okay. So Bruce has seen all four movies. Eric, I don't know if you were able to see Inside, if you updated it. I did not see Inside. I just recently saw Moving On. From the movies you've reviewed within the past week, are you as excited as Bruce for the selections we have? Um, I I might be in the same page as Bruce. And I know I liked another one of them more than Bruce. So oh. we, we may, uh, we may uh, link up on one of them and Maybe a little bit, not so much on the other one, but we'll see what happens. I don't know if I can actually have a decent conversation with Eric Holmes anymore because I, I was talking to uh, Bruce Perky about Eric Holmes behind his back. Bruce, do you remember what what George Gallo said? Eric, can you recount what director George Gallo from The Ritual Killer said to you last week in my 30, what, 31 or 32 years of doing these interviews? No one has ever said these kind of words to me. What did George Gallo, that filmmaker writer, say to you for The Ritual Killer interview, sir? Oh, so uh, he worked with uh, Brian De Palma. Uh, oh, so that on. was good. He really likes Willem Freakin. Uh, Bruce, we talked a little bit about uh, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Which okay. was Vernon Davis brought up the uh, Equalizer, which mm-hmm. uh, you'll hear in the uh, spoiler. No, that wasn't the spoiler. That was the regular one. 
There's a regular, yeah, that, that yeah. actual interview is on our, our sister brother show, yeah. the Find Your Film podcast, where we had all our interviews. Bruce, did you actually get to hear what George Gallo had to say to Eric Holmes specifically? I have not yet, actually. I'm you waiting. Really, I'm you savoring it. You I know watched, why. Did you see how many movies I've watched? You know, I know why. <laughs> there Bruce, are uh, seven movies that we're talking about today that I've watched, and I think I watched two or three more that I'm not even discussing. You know, actually, Eric and I have, we have a separate Google Doc that actually Bruce Perky reads <laughs> off and he thinks he's watching about 10 movies. And Eric and I have the the, ma- the master Google Doc where we're only seeing three or four movies. So don't tell Bruce what's going on. But Bruce has not heard it. So I will surprise the listeners as well as Bruce Perky. I, I did a little bit of a reel for it. George Gallo at the end of The Ritual Killer complimented Eric Holmes, how much of an honor it was to be interviewed by him, because unlike most critics, I'm not going to point to people like me, but yes, people like me, he actually knows he's actually a real movie fan. And he actually used the F-U-C-K word during the during the compliment. So it's Eric, how did you feel about George Gallo complimenting you on your professionalism and your cinephilia and and actually criticizing other critics who really don't know their right from their left like me? Well, uh, it it definitely was surprising. Uh, it took me back a bit, but you know, it it was nice, and he he was cool to talk to anyway. Uh, just kind of going back and forth, and then at one point he's like, "We should do this." I'm like, "Yes, a thousand percent, yeah, a thousand percent. We should do this again." But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Number one, I object. I objected to that compliment because I'm now very envious and jealous of you, and num- because George Gallo is an accomplished artist. And number two, I highly object to you. Using the 400 blows and Pornhub in one sentence. Can you, can you, <laughs> you need to some kind of Monsignor in my Catholic church to absolve you from those sins? By the way, that was a very funny joke. Now, speaking of transitions and multiverses, what we're going to be doing moving forward, not just moving on, but moving forward is along with our weekly featured features, me, Eric and Bruce each week, we will take turns picking a movie for us to watch the following week. So, it's sort of like Bruce Perky's What's in the Box. What's in the Box is a little bit more, it's uncontrollable because the, he, they, the the choices are contingent upon the people we interview and the people in our Cinematics Facebook group who pick movies for Bruce and Eric and occasionally me when I want to do my job to watch. Now, these, these picks will, these weekly picks will be from me, either me or Bruce or Eric. We're going to start right now. For me, I'm the first pick for our, I guess, I don't even, Bruce or Eric, I don't know, we got to brand this segment. I don't know, the three uh, cinema amigos or whatever. But anyways, the first pick for this week that we're going to watch for next week and review for next week is this movie called The Naked Kiss, directed by Samuel Fuller. Listeners, if you are stateside, if you have Amazon Prime Video, I think they like calling it Prime Video. If you have Prime Video, The Naked Kiss, as of this recording, it's free to watch. It's actually also available on the Criterion Collection, I believe, maybe even on the Criterion Channel. Erica Bruce, The Naked Kiss, any just before we get to our featured, any thoughts about this movie? Have you both heard about this movie? What have you heard about The Naked Kiss? Because you guys will be seeing it within the next seven days. I I haven't heard much about it. Um, I wasn't even sure if I saw it or not. We were talking about this off air, but I, I think it was The Naked City that I was thinking of. But I don't believe I've seen this one. But I got the streaming stuff on. It's on Roku channel, Plex, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, HBO Max. So it's on a lot of places. So if you want to watch it, definitely check it out. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Most importantly, we're all three of us. I'm going to do a rewatch. Bruce is going to watch The Naked Kiss. Eric's going to watch The Naked Kiss. Listeners, we want to hear what you think of The Naked Kiss. If you've already seen the movie, email us, whether it's info at findyourfilms.com, Eric's email, hamslime at gmail.com, 
or Bruce at BruceBorky at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts on The Naked Kiss. If you have no idea what The Naked Kiss is about, go to Prime Video. It's a great movie by Samuel Fuller. Watch it and watch along with us during the week when we have that discussion next week on Cinematics episode 182. But this is Cinematics episode 181. We are moving on with moving on. So how's your hip? My hip's fine. So it's just your arm? Yes, it's just my arm that (sighs) seems broken. I guess that's lucky. I mean, for your hip. Yeah. Oh, God, be careful. Oh, Oh, my God. That was a stop sign. I can see that now. How long has it been since you had a license? Um, eight years. You shouldn't have let that family drive us. This moving on. It centers on Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. They're old friends. Jane Fonda, she's a grandmother who lives in Ohio. She, uh, I guess, takes a plane to L.A. to attend the funeral of her best friend. It's the best friend of both her character and Lily Tomlin's character. Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, both of them are estranged. They get together for the funeral. The problem is Jane Fonda's character, she has a plan to kill her late friend's husband. The husband's played by Malcolm McDowell. That is a premise. It starts off with the funeral of their mutual friends, and it seems it's how these estranged friends either team up or not to actually murder, kill Malcolm McDowell in moving on. That is a premise. Let's start with you, Eric Holmes. This is a sort of a lo-fi dramedy. Were you all about the vibe of this movie, which is around 84 minutes? Yeah, it kind of was. Um, the You know, uh, Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin. I, I love Lily Tomlin. I love Jane Fonda too, but uh, they seem to be working together a lot. Uh, I don't watch that. Uh, was it Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie? Like yeah, my, Grace my and mom, Frankie, I think, yeah. my mom was watching that a lot, so I kind of caught a little bit of that, and I just like their dynamic together. And the story on this was pretty like like adorable but undercover dark given the premise of we got to kill this guy but then like as the movie goes on and you figure out why they want to do that like you know there's a yeah there's just a bunch of great chemistry uh between jane fauna and lily tomlin and um i like where the story goes and malcolm mcdowell plays a uh straight up douchebag (laughs) he plays a pretty good he's very good yeah this I I was not expecting to. First of all, this movie was kind of a nice change of pace from what we normally cover, but also it kind of, you know, it was kind of. A, it's not a rom com, but it's maybe like a lifetime movie. It's kind of like in that sort of wheelhouse, and it, it was just kind of a nice change of pace, and turned out to be a little more than I was expecting. I re- I really like this one a lot. Movie co-stars Richard Roundtree as the ex-husband, ex-first husband of Jane Fonda's character. Interesting film. It seems to me that the movie is the main plot about killing this man is an excuse to tie together a bunch of anecdotal-ish type stories within the framework of an 84-minute narrative. So very lo-fi. Eric really enjoyed this. All that said, Bruce, what did you think of moving on? I really enjoyed it too. And I like Eric was very surprised. I think I might've watched it first. And I, uh, I went in this going, okay, 80 for Brady and all these other kind of movies are coming out. Like all these, uh, for a while it was a bunch of old dudes going to Vegas or whatever. Those kind of movies were coming out. And then I thought, well, here we go. Jane Fonda and you know, Lily Tomlin and Hey, I'm practically in their age group. So <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, yeah, I'm getting there too, man. I'm right there. And I was watching like, okay, this is going to be this light fluff. And 
to some degree it is, but like Eric says as well, uh, it goes a little darker than you expect it to. And when it, when it wants to be real, like there's a, there's a, I'm not going to say what the scene is, but there's a scene where Jane Fonda has to really go really serious for like one, special scene where she's confronting somebody and she just goes for it. And, and she actually does a pretty awesome job acting and not just should be surprised. We've seen her in other things, but I don't feel like I've seen her with a role that really kind of let her do a lot of stuff like this for a long time, maybe because I haven't been watching many of her movies. I don't know. Uh, and top of that, I want to say there are several sequences in here that are, that are quite charming. There's an extended, um, Dinner, meet the family scene with Richard Roundtree, which is really great. I mean, it's probably a good 15 minute little mini movie within a movie of this, which is really, really nice. Uh, there is a scene where they have to, I'll just say, procure a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing and <laughs> excellent and has a fantastic punchline to it when you find out something about that weapon. Uh, and then, you know, I think that it's satisfying in the way it ends. It's nothing is too extreme, but it goes more it goes to more emotion and a little more heart than i expected in this movie so i liked it quite a bit too there's also bacon four yes, there is bacon real bacon <laughs> real four trips not the turkey you're bacon. a pescatarian <laughs> you guys are making me actually enjoy this movie a little bit more i was a little bit apprehensive because well i was i love the runtime of 84 minutes but the fact that Trina directed by Paul White, he actually carved his career, I think, direct, co-directing with Chris White's, his brother Chris White's, the movie American Pie. They've each had really distinctive careers. Paul White's, back in 2015, directed Lily Tomlin and Grandma, a movie that I like. So if you like Grandma, and if you like Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, I think Moving On is a no-brainer to watch. But apparently, Bruce and Eric, you liked it a little bit more. I'm thinking you guys might even upscale the rating for Moving On. My initial rating for moving on was just a solid recommend at three and a half. Both of your reviews made me think I might have rated this a little bit lower than I should have. But anyways, moving on, rating Eric Holmes. Um, You know, like uh, this is not normally my type of movie, but I think this kind of goes a bit above and beyond. And for what it is, I think this is a very good version of this. So I got to go four and a half. Wow, four and a half star. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. Okay, Bruce Perky, your rating on moving on. Um, I was just thinking this could be like a spiritual sequel, the old age sequel to Nine to Five as well. If no. you want to think of it that way. Yeah. Uh, I will go. I will split the difference. I will go four stars. Okay. This is weird. This is I. This never happens that I am actually the lowest rater <laughs> of the. I think this has happened maybe one time in the, what three years we've been doing this. So that's very very interesting. I guess I guess moving on is a, a movie that both Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky really really enjoy in theaters Friday. I don't know if it's on digital or on demand. I'm going to check that. I don't think it is. But anyway, so that is moving on. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda on Friday. Four stars for Bruce. Eric gives it four and a half. I give it three and a half. Okay, moving on. Let's go to another movie that's coming out on Friday. Big movie, Willem Dafoe. I specifically told Bruce that, Bruce, you don't have to watch this movie. You'd save time, save your two hours. This is just something that you and Eric can have for the week, and maybe we'll do a rewind. And as soon as I say this, Bruce <laughs> immediately starts watching Inside, headlined by Willem Dafoe. I don't think Eric got to it. I didn't get to it. Look, Bruce, this movie, I've read some reviews. It's getting some middling mediocre reviews. 
do you fall in line with the general consensus regarding what uh, I think there's a claustrophobic thriller too of what inside is about? Uh, I do fall in line with that. Unfortunately, I was, I was hoping for more from this, but I'll, I'll give you the, the basic rundown, which is pretty easy to give you. Uh, but first of all, think of it, you could subtitle it, uh, Manhattan Castaway, I guess, if you want to. Um, the basic, yeah, I see Eric like shaking his head like, what? <laughs> so it starts out, you've got Willem Dafoe, he's dropping into this penthouse, this super rich Manhattan penthouse apartment, or probably the floor, the whole floor probably. And it's just, you can tell it's like an art aficionado at least. Because it's all full of this modern art and crazy modern art. You find out immediately he's on the walkie-talkie the whole time. Immediately uh, he's there on, as part of a heist. He's looking for these three specific pic, you know, paintings. He's going to steal them and get out. And he's got a time crunch, right? So he's you know running over to the little alarm pad. And the guy on the walkie-talkie gives him the alarm code. He sets the alarm code. It's all good. Runs around. He can't find one of the art pieces. He can't find it. He only has two of the three. And the guy's like, just get out. You know, time's up. Let's get out. So he goes back to reset the alarm code or whatever he has to do to get out of the apartment. And it doesn't go right. And the place locks down. And the alarm starts going off. Oh, by the way, the the owner of this apartment, some point in there, they dropped the idea that the, the owner of the apartment is gone, like over in Europe or something. So, and you don't know for how long. And then basically from that moment on, Willem Dafoe is stuck in this apartment. And I mean stuck, like he is trapped. It might as well be a desert island. He, uh, The water is turned off. It has electricity, but the water is turned off. Uh, it's got it's got like barely any food. Uh, it's He can't do really anything in this place. There's nothing. He's stuck in this place and he's got to survive. So essentially it becomes this one-man show, survival show. And he's trying to do anything he can to survive in this apartment for... I won't say how long, but a long time. Bruce, did you like that premise right off the jump? The premise is good. Okay, let's say this. It looks beautiful. The setting is great. It's very, you know, it's very well, like, the production design is amazing, right? They've got this super artsy, art deco-y kind of giant apartment with all these interesting things in it, like, you know, plants and tropical fish and, you know, paintings everywhere. And it's really weird, you know, like, ultra upscale decor and there's some weird passageways and stuff that he finds later on but boy as much as i love love willem defoe and this is upscaled immensely by him being the guy stuck here i mean if it hadn't been him stuck there it would have been 10 times less interesting because he he has the charisma as we all know to carry off these kind of things but it doesn't have a lot to do for those 100 what is it an hour and 45 minutes i think something like that yeah this would be an amazing 20 minute short and I could literally cut this movie the way it is, cut it down into an amazing 20 minute short, but not, not a full length feature. Could it be really like what I'm thinking is maybe an 80, we're talking about 84 minutes with our previous film. Do you think it could have been if it would the right, what I'm saying, the writing, the execution was better. Maybe. I mean, it was way more interesting than I thought it would be for the amount of time I was there, but Boy, there's not a lot of meat on this bones. You know, it's it's it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so. Well, here here's the thing, and this is sort of a sad state of affairs in a way because we want to champion films that come out only in theaters. So, yeah. That said, Focus Features is releasing Inside 
in theaters this Friday, March 17th. A, we want to champion theaters. I think most importantly, though, and I'm going to be selfish about this, we want people to save their money. So, Bruce, do you see an upscale if people like Willem Dafoe, like production design and want to see it on the big screen, possibly, or absolutely just no? Maybe if you're if you're into super artsy, I mean, because you're pretty much just staring at him, which he's pretty okay to stare at, do his thing. But you're also yeah. staring at a lot of modern art, which I think there's a, at the end, there's all the credits of all the art pieces that you're seeing in this thing. And you get to watch him tear apart the entire apartment by the end of it and poop in a pool and some other stuff happens. Oh, but sold. <laughs> <laughs> Buried the lead there, I think. <laughs> yeah. And there's other stuff. There's a moment I, I, I marked it down. Like an hour in, he finds, I said, I kind of mentioned it before. He finds an, an area of the apartment he hadn't found before. And I'm like, all right, this is finally getting going. The mystery's it's going to get weird. He's going to get into like secrets. Yeah, guess nothing much happens with that. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? No, it's, I would say it's a rental maybe or a streamer for free because then you can get into it and see if it's for you. I, I, I can't in good conscience, tell people to go out and pay, you know, 12 bucks to go see this. I think you might even just, you said streamer, this might be like you said, not, not even pay rental might just dream it, Bruce. Yeah. Even if, if that, and I'm sorry to say, because I love so many things about this. Like, I mean, potentially this could be great, but it's a lot to pull off this kind of movie and make it fascinating. You know, it almost oh. needs to be one of those trap movies. This needs to be a movie where not only this is happening, but it's like Cube or something. It's trying to kill him or something, you know? The third act execution, because it has a premise where it could either be twist-laden or yeah. the ending can be really well done. Is that sort of a saving grace maybe towards the final moments? Or were you disappointed with how it... No, the final moments, it went out with a whimper too. Like there's there's a thing he's trying to do for like a good half of the movie. And I'm not going to say what that is. So people do want to watch it. They can find out. There's a thing he's trying to accomplish and he finally accomplished, accomplishes it in the last seconds. And then you're like, and then what happens? You know, it's one of those kind of things where you just get, <laughs> it's frustrating. I, I would almost want Eric to see this, to see he would either love it, like surprisingly love it. It'd be one of those kind of ones. Or he would be like, so against this as indie porn that he would be <laughs> in, angry. Well, you don't seem too angry regarding inside, no. but what is your, what is your overall rating? Thank you for watching this, by the way. Yeah, I, I think I'll go two and a half because there's a lot of things to like about it, but not enough to make me really recommend it. Okay, so that is Inside, Willem Dafoe, headlined by Willem Dafoe, reviewed by Bruce Perky, who gives Inside two and a half stars. Again, if you like Willem Dafoe, if you like modern art, art, if you like Manhattan, production design, maybe you might go against Bruce Perky's two and a half stars and you might just want to check out. Yes. Yes, Bruce. One other saving grace. I gave it a half star. There's a thing... (laughs) <laughs> There's a thing where the refrigerator gets left open. I don't know if you guys had this. If your refrigerator gets left open too too long, an alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because this is such an upscale apartment, when it goes off, it it sets off the Macarena. So he's basically tormented by the Macarena every time it's left open too long for various reasons. And my gosh, so is the viewer, possibly. Possibly. (laughs) But Willem Dafoe and the Macarena, I mean, there's something kind of beautiful there, I think. You had me at poop in the pool. You lost me at Macarena. (laughs) Good, because you don't need to see this. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, Bruce Perky, two and a half stars for Inside. Will Bruce Perky give two and a half stars to any of the next two movies that we are going to be covering? Stay tuned in a few seconds, because first up, next up, is a movie called Wildflower. And let me... 
read the plot synopsis here. It goes, quote, Wildflower is a hilarious, big-hearted celebration of family in all its variety, a coming-of-age film about growing up too fast and slowing down just enough to recognize one's good fortune. Kiernan Shipka from Mad Men and Sabrina and a bunch of other and some movies. She's plays a, a teenager who is very smart and she's wants to go to college. The problem is she is she has parents who she she thinks cannot live without her because they are dependent on her job. They're, they supposedly can't function in normal society. But who knows? Maybe she's wrong or maybe she's right. But the problem is. She's thinking about this while in a coma because a lot of this movie, a lot of Wildflower is Kiernan Shipka's voiceover as we're looking back on her past on having to deal with dependent parents. And by the way, they're very good. And it's a great ensemble cast as well. Let's see. Dash Mihawk or Mihawk. Uh, you guys know how to pronounce his name. He plays a dad. And also Erica, Samantha Hyde is a mother. She's great as a mom. And there's a whole bunch of people. Our, our buddy... A, fa- a favorite of ours, Charlie Plummer, plays the love interest of Kiernan Shipka's character in Wildflower. It's in theaters Friday, March 17th, specifically in Los Angeles, and it hits digital and on-demand March 21st. I forgot to mention, it also stars Gene Smart and Jackie Weaver as the grandparent, as the grandmothers in this movie, and they're both very, very good. I really enjoyed all the little moments behind director Matt Smuckler's Wildflower. Let's start off with Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Wildflower. I was a little bit nervous to actually have you and Bruce watch this because I was thinking, not going to be a movie for Eric Holmes or Bruce Perky. Was I right on that assessment, Eric? Well, first of all, uh, you also forgot uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong is young, the young version of uh, Kiernan Shipka. Thank you. Yes. And uh, yeah, we we love her in uh, Old Way. Uh, She wasn't much in this, but that's fine. Um, I, I was kind of uh, surprised looking up the director, Matt Smuckler, his previous movie from 2020 called Wildflower. Is that a documentary about what this movie is based on? Yeah, it's a documentary, a true story of his niece who had to raise it's And this movie is inspired by that documentary. But I would try to look if that documentary was ever released. So far, it hasn't been. Maybe play this festival oh. circuit and then maybe they never really officially released the 2020 documentary Wildflower. All right. Well, I I just thought that was an interesting IMDb credit I saw. Um, as for the movie, um, I liked it for the most part. It was kind of cute. Um, unlike uh, Moving On, I, this didn't quite have that little extra that Moving On did. It was just kind of like, a, a, look, Coda's the five-star version of what this movie is. This is kind of like the two and a half, three star version of that. I, I think um, that, you know, there's uh again, nice change of pace to what we normally cover. Um, I thought it was really cute. Uh, there was some fun, funny scenes, uh, but it didn't have that. I don't know what it was missing. It didn't have that thing that really brought it over the edge for me, but as I was watching it, I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I kind of wish Anderson would have watched this because he's kind of, he's a lot more familiar with kind of what this movie's talking about. Right. And so he'd be able to talk a lot more than I ever could of like the, uh, how, you know, realistic it is or, you know, what they got right, what they got wrong with this sort of, uh, this sort of tale. Um, but I guess if this is based on uh, Matt Smuckler's family members, maybe he knows more than, I mean, obviously he would know more than I would about that. So I can't really speak to that. 
Um, just as a movie, I, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I liked the characters. It just, it was missing that little extra something that would push it to the, uh, push it to where Coda went. Cause Coda had me crying like a baby by the end of it. Um, and this like kind of was trying to get there at certain points. It just never quite did, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means, you know, that there's, there's a better version of this movie already out. Fair enough. Bruce, your your take. What was <laughs> the want, first and, comment and I gave by, you? By, yes, you can say it. You can say it, Bruce. <laughs> I said bullshit coda uh, was the first thing I said out to you. Uh, but I, I think what, what Eric is saying is pretty much right. I think the thing that's missing, in my opinion, so first of all, they're doing all the things kind of like uh, coda did, right? You're actually casting uh, actors in the roles of, you know, different neurodivergent uh, issues and actually casting him in those roles. Great. But I think the big difference to me is with Coda living in that family, it was key to the story itself. Whereas here, the parents are almost like a, like a piece of the, the, the setting, you know, they, they, they do have a key moment in a few points, but they really aren't integral in the way that they were in Coda. And I think that's the problem is the focus. The focus is, is really just the a normal daughter going through normal problems in their lives. And the only thing that's different is how her parents are, are quote, weird. You know, everyone has, quote, weird parents, right? So it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what their issue is. It's just, it's just, it's, it, that's why it kind of leans. It doesn't, I want to say exploitation, but it leans as kind of a gimmick. It's kind of a gimmick as opposed to being integral to the story. Um, other, otherwise, the movie's, like he says, kind of fine. It's kind of generic, though, in a little bit. Like it's, you know, a lot of voiceover. The 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 artifice of her being in the coma is kind of cheesy. I, I kind of disagree on the parent characters. I thought the parent characters are really cartoonish and high cringe almost any time. Not not her parents. The, the grandparents. Oh, okay. The, the Gene Smart character and the um, what's her name um, Weaver, those those I I would have almost left them out because they were too cartoonish compared to the rest of the characters, which veered back and forth between believable and not. Uh, to me, this kind of reeks of like you know how post Pulp Fiction we had lots of Tarantino wannabe kind of movies. This feels like one of the first Coda wannabe kind of movies, and it just was a little bit half baked. Half baked from Bruce. Wow. I'm the only one who really enjoyed Wildflower. Really good ensemble. I liked watching each of them shine. Alexandra Daddario is also in it as, I guess, what she, who does she play? She plays what? Sister? A, a sis, an aunt. Yeah, the aunt of Kieran Shipka's character. Yeah, yeah, right. Just really good. And, and it is a little bit, the, the humor, Some you were talking about a little bit uh, animated and cartoonish. And I get that, that little flavor. I was vibing with that flavor for for a wildflower. I enjoyed the movie. It was it's a solid recommend for me, and especially if you like Kieran Shipka and the cast members involved. I thought it was a pretty well executed family dramedy and a little bit more comedy than the drama, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Wildflower. So my rating for Wildflower, which hits theaters this Friday in LA and mainly on digital and on demand, March twenty first. I give it three and a half out of five stars. Bruce Perky, your rating. Um, I would give it two and a half. And if you like Kiernan Shipka, I say go look for The Black Coat's Daughter from a few years ago. That's a, a missed, beautiful movie. 
That is not a family movie, but I still love the Black Ghost Daughter. That's a very it's the scary same, film. Same exact motions come out of that movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> very good, Bruce. Eric Holmes. Uh, by the way, yeah, the Black Ghost Daughter is an awesome movie. Eric Holmes, your rating on Wildflower. I, I too will give it two and a half. However, I would give it two and a half, but this gets a Ryan Armstrong bump, so three stars. <laughs> Ryan Kier Armstrong, yes. We love Ryan Kier Armstrong. The old way is so awesome. Again, apologies, Bruce Perky. You, I think you would have really enjoyed the, the old way if you saw it. Wait, did you see the old way? No, no, you didn't see the old way. Yeah. No, I did not. I think you would have at least given the old way maybe three stars. I'm glad you liked the old way starring Nicolas Cage, at least Eric Holmes. Okay, so that is... Probably one of the only movies that Bruce Perky, the old way, has missed within the last uh, several years of movie, mainline, find your film, and and cinematics, of course. So now, our last feature review is a movie that I think Bruce Perky said, guys, look, if there's one movie we got to see this year and we can just quit, I go, what? What is it? I, I don't know. The next Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet 2? What is it, Bruce? Because no, there's something even better than Tenet, which is... My, even though it's a turd, it's a beautiful turd. Better than the turd that Willem Dafoe unleashed in, inside. This turd of a movie, or beautiful turd of a movie, is called Supercell. And I love it. And you and Eric have to watch Supercell. And you're going to tell me how much you love Supercell. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tight as a group. And when I say we go, we go. We're getting closer to the heat than any other tour company. Let's go! Everybody in the van! You're welcome. Your parents were the reason I started chasing. What did you know about this? We can save lives. You know how dangerous this world is. Who goes out onto a roof to get close to the sky? So you thought it would be a good idea to turn this thing on and see what happens? That's what Dad did. Just get me within range. You came to be a storm chaser, just like your dad. He's not here, is he? Well, let me come with. I can help. Rule number one, always make sure you got at least a half a tank of gas. Rule number two, make sure you got an escape. So what's rule number three? Never get caught in the bear's cage. We need a shelter now. Backside of a supercell. Be chased for knowledge, not thrill. Get out of there now! Buckle up. We're going to war. Supercell is about this kid, actually this young man, I think. He's around 18 or 19, played by Daniel Deemer. He's very good in this movie. He is a storm chaser because his dad was a storm chaser. His mom's more of an, on the science end. His mom's played by Anne Heche. His dad, at the beginning of the movie, it's not a spoiler, his dad dies chasing storms. And it cuts to 10 years later, several, several minutes into it, cuts to 10 years later, and we see Daniel Deemer as a boy, trying to, a teenage guy, trying to find out what his father was all passionate about. And supposedly his mom, played by the late Anne Heche, was hiding a lot of the stuff that his dad was about. So he, what the 
the young man decides to go out into the storm and learn about his father, but most importantly, he's trying to get into the eye, literally the eye of the storm or the tornado or whatever they're called, storm chasing. That is the premise of Supercell. He has some kind of weird conductor that he presses and to get to the high. And I'm not very good with te- with attack. His uncle, who's really, I, I mean, it's interesting what Skeet Ulrich plays the quasi uncle or best friend of his late father. So he's sort of a family figure in this movie as well. And there's also Alec Baldwin, who is a very capitalistic storm chaser. So there's all these elements. If you like Alec Baldwin and Anne H's actors, they previously started in a movie called the juror, which I really love. I think they're both really good in this movie. One thing bone of contention, which I believe Eric and Bruce will be talking about a lot the soundtrack of Supercell it feels like it's straight from a Spielberg, Joe, da- sorry, Joe Dante, Zemeckis film from the 80s or something. Well, maybe Zemeckis and Spielberg score from the 80s. So some people may really enjoy the score. Some people may really feel the score it detracts from the overall experience of Supercell. I had a good time watching Supercell. I did a couple of interviews, going to be doing an interview with Jordan Christine Simone in about an hour. So I was excited about I was excited about the movie. So I requested the interviews. So you know where I'm going to stand on Supercell. Let's start with Bruce Perky. Your thoughts on Supercell, its score, story execution, and the acting, et cetera, et cetera. Oh boy, this movie. Uh, <laughs> this movie is so dumb. Uh, it's almost really fun, dumb though. Okay. Uh, almost. It doesn't quite get there, but this is almost could be like this. This should be a three star banger for me. It's not. Uh, but yeah, the score is definitely way, I mean, the, the score is selling, you know, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but they're not giving us Raiders of the Lost Ark and it doesn't stop for the whole way through. I do also not understand the machine that he's built. It's like a machine that lets you listen to a tornado. So you can, I guess, hear it when it's breathing. So, you know, when it's really close to you. So when it's breathing down your neck, apparently like literally you're then, you know, to run, I don't understand. It makes no sense. Um, this wants to be twister in every way it really wants to be twister but it just doesn't have the fun and the coolness of twister and special effects wise this looks pretty good i don't know what the budget is on this it's 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 pretty good for probably not a huge budget but scene by scene all i could think of is like oh well twister did that in a more fun way oh where's the double tornadoes we don't have those do we have flying cows i mean if you count uh, one of the characters in here, I won't name his name. Uh, you know, I would say the closest this movie gets to being <laughs> the closest this movie gets to being fun is there's a scene. It's also really dumb. Uh, there's a scene where our hero is in a in line at a grocery store while a tornado might be down the road. So instead of coming and getting him, they decide to drive away and leave him behind. And for whatever reason, he stays in there. It's I don't want to say how it goes out. It's really, it involves popcorn. It's, it's just, or chips or something. It's, it's so dumb, but kind of entertaining. Um, yeah. Uh, I would rate this, I guess we have to rate tornado movies. You got Twister at the top then the wizard of Oz, um, Sharknado, um, Sharknado is pretty far down. Yeah. And then you have this. Wow, Bruce Perky oh, gloves off. <laughs> Bruce Perky brought the cinematic brass. What is it? The brass knuckles this week? Look, I really enjoyed Daniel Demer's performance as William Brody, the kid. I really liked the way they wrote his character. I miss Anne Hage as an actress. I interviewed her a bunch of times over the years. I think she's really good in this movie with what she has to work with and 
really enjoyed watching whatever you think of Alec Baldwin as a person. I've always liked him as an actor and he's good in this movie. And I liked where his character goes within the framework of Super <laughs> literally Cell. where he goes. Not everywhere. <laughs> Look at Bruce. When Bruce is whenever he brings out brick about it's it's pretty funny. But Supercell, yeah, I, I honestly enjoyed it. And the score, I'm sure Bruce's eyes were just rolling out of his head listening to the score. I enjoyed the score. So look again. In high school, he goes running out into the roof and everyone goes to the window like, oh, look what he's doing. He's out there with his his storm listening machine. Uh, this movie had heart, man. I don't know. Eric, save me on this. Or, or maybe uh, go right behind Bruce with the brass knuckles. Do something. What are you going to do? Whose side you on? Well, this is my favorite Steven Spielberg movie I've seen in a long time. Um, <laughs> for And also, like, for all the reasons that Bruce didn't like this, this is exactly what are in older Spielberg movies. I think like if you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark again, it's pretty silly, pretty stupid sometimes, but you just kind of, at least um, when I'm watching Supercell, like there's some stuff that's like, yeah, it's kind of whatever, like walking in and like the, you know, the whole, the whole room gets up and applauds because uh, oh, uh, Storm yeah. Chaser's kid is what, like yeah. stuff like that's kind of silly. But it's a throwback, but, right? You know, we know. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's like, a, I don't know. It, it's like the, you know, the old 80s. Like th this movie has like Steven Spielberg's fingerprints all over it. And like old Steven Spielberg. Um, Definitely old. Like old, yeah. like like going into dementia Spielberg. I mean. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Bruce is the big bad meanie this week. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. But but the, I I think this uh I think this is like a kind of like a you know close encounters or like a what's like a like not et but it, Bruce mentioned Twister and that's pretty much dead on. Um, if Steven Spielberg directed Twister, that's kind of what this movie would be. It's got the it's got the schmaltz. Um, Look, Eric, here's the thing, okay? And I don't know if you listened to the interview that I had with Jamie Winterstern, the director and co-writer of this movie. He mentioned when he was a youth, his his earliest memories, I think he, I think he was born in the year 1985, but back in the 80s and early 90s, he would watch Steven Spielberg movies with his dad in the theater. And this movie seems like a just sort of an expression of that love for Spielberg in the movie. Yeah. That said- and, the, and that's that, that's another thing that Spielberg has in his movies. It's you know he, he's always kind of uh, slipping his family issues in there. So that that kind of, that definitely came through in this. And also, um, I don't think this had the budget of a Spielberg movie or Twister or anything like that. So the fact that they were able to pull it, like, granted, I think my biggest issue with this is the sound. Not oddly enough, not the soundtrack, but the. Uh, I think it was like the like the background noise or like the the mix was off, so it was hard to hear okay. sometimes. Um, but you know, I can get through a Christopher Nolan movie. I can get through this. Um, <laughs> but uh, I that like that's my biggest issue with it. Like everything else, kind of had that kind of uh, the magic of movies, the wonder of movies that Steven Spielberg does in his early right. movies. This kind of had that, and granted, it was schmaltzy. It was you know totally uh, kind of playing you, obviously. I, I just kind of liked it. I really dug it. Plus, you know, it gets the Skeet Ulrich bump. And <laughs> and uh, this is more on that later. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also, Anne Hayes, she was great in this. And great. we only get a small handful 
I mean, she, you know, passed a couple months ago and I think she's got like four or five more in the can that's coming out. One thing that was weird was Alec Baldwin's character because what we know about Russ, which is very little. Um, we just yeah. know what other people are saying. His character. Um, yeah, I know. It, you know, I, I, I'll just leave it there. Watch it and then you'll kind of you'll kind of get it. But his character is kind of irresponsible. Um to the point that he puts people in danger. So that coupled with like the ongoing story of Russ, I don't know what happened on set, but it, it, that was kind of weird. Almost like a, almost and I'm not comparing Alec Baldwin to Kevin Spacey. You know, uh, I think what Alec Baldwin did was a complete accident. What Kevin Spacey did was completely not an accident, right. but uh, you know, it'd be like uh, learning about Kevin Spacey and then uh you know, just watching a movie where he's uh, coming on to people and then it'd be like, uh, this is something weird about this. I, I don't know. Um, oh, right. Putting people's lives in danger, that that kind of element. Yeah, yeah. Fun. And and it made you feel uneasy a little bit watching that execution in the story? A little bit. And I, I hate that I even brought it up because I, I don't think that that whole situation was Alec Baldwin's fault. But just the fact that he's kind of playing a similar character to what that story is kind of that real life story is kind of leaning towards right. it was it a blended bit, a little bit I, I, i'll just say it was a bit off uh so be prepared for that but overall i i really like this movie i i thought it was fun it was you know it was definitely silly and kind of stupid in places but it was i you know just like old steven spielberg some of those movies are stupid in places and i still i i find them charming and i i was all in for it and this was the movie i was like this is, you know, we were talking about moving on. I was pretty sure me and Bruce were going to land on the same area there. This was a movie that's like, for every reason Bruce hates this movie is the reasons I love it. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie too. I'm giving Supercell, which is in theaters, on digital, and on demand March 17th. This throwback to Spielberg from the from the 80s, really with a limited budget, by the way, low budget. I'm giving it three and a half stars, a solid recommend for me. We're going to uh, move on from Bruce Perky's rating. Eric, Holmes, what's your <laughs> Bruce Perky, what is your rating on, on Supercell? <laughs> oh, I'll give it two stars. Two stars. Okay. Bruce, Bruce is saying, oh, I'm going to be kind and give it two stars to Supercell. <laughs> that means you might have liked two elements from it. That's not bad. Eric got Holmes, the skate ultra Ulrich bump. <laughs> skate Ulrich, Ulrich bump. Yeah. Also, uh, Skate Ulrich, I looked this up because uh, he was born with the name Brian Ray Trout. Oh, interesting. Uh, Skeet was a nickname, and uh, Ulrich is, I believe, his stepfather's name. I didn't know okay. that before this week, so there, yeah. there's some trivia for you. But uh, as far as star ratings, I, I was kind of just like just on entertainment value alone. I was going to go four stars on this, but then Bruce brought up three star banger. I'm like, that's kind of where this lives. I I, I think three star bangers uh, yeah. good because because like if you're if you're in for old school Spielberg, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna love it. Um, if you're Bruce, you're not. So. <laughs> In, fa- no, in fairness to Bruce's ratings, okay, of two stars, there's going to be a lot of people on yeah. Bruce Perky's camp, okay? Uh, I mean, as much as he is criticizing Supercell, there's going to be a lot of people who will feel the same way. Let's give a lot of uh, credence yeah. to Bruce's review on that. Uh, also, uh, another thing I did bring up is, like, there's some, like, weird – I don't know if it's green screen or maybe just the way the lighting is. Uh, when I when uh, William Lindis came to town, we took a picture, and we had the camera below us while we're looking down at the – 
down at the phone to take the picture. Well, we're outside of a village in, so the light's really bright on us, but it's the sky and it's dark. So it's just black background. So it looks like it's Photoshop just because of the way mm-hmm. the lighting is, but it's actually right. not. I don't know if that's the case here or if it is green screen, but some of it looks kind of uh, a little shoddy. But again, that's kind of that's kind of what the uh, movies looked like back in the day. You know, you could tell the blue screen back in the day. So maybe there's something there. But yeah, three star banger. Before we get off Supercell, Bruce, just just to re- uh, redo your comments on the the soundtrack, the score, off putting for you, just completely mis- misapplied. You thought? I mean, it was just overbearing. It was just like, come on now. I understand how this is working. It was just so much. I mean, John so Williams much. can be overbearing. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, And also to reiterate, I would say that I was in for the dumb fun. I just don't think there was enough fun. Like, that's the part I was missing. That's fair. And then going back to that, that score, you were mentioning John Williams' homage, Eric. You were fine with the score being sweeping and maybe to some, like Bruce, overbearing because, again – People will feel that way about the score, but I had had to look it up on IMDb to be sure it wasn't John Williams. Like that, that's how, that's how close this is to a Spielberg movie. It's almost like he just went, he studied early Spielberg so closely. And, and as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, he just nailed that tone. I swear it was poltergeist at times, poltergeist theme. I really close to some of the parts of that but whatever. Bruce, directed by toby hooper by the way not steven spielberg i have it on good authority it was actually directed by toby hooper that's a this is an entire different podcast erica holmes very interesting wow bruce i should not have been doing the interviews for supercell don't you think erica holmes should have been the commander-in-chief with that that's i mean right? sure yeah you so, again oh. that Oh, yes, Eric Holmes. Are Speaking we going to talk about Supercell and some more stuff? Some more Supercell stuff? No, but I, I, I brought up Toby Hooper and it reminded yes. me of uh, Postmortem because I, I heard I heard that continuously from Joe Russo. But uh, they did that uh, AMA episode this week and yeah. I'm on it. Well, I'm not on it, but they asked, I asked one of the questions. So that was fun. Oh, speaking of something else you're on, can you talk about your recent conversation maybe about a week week and a half ago that i we, oh we the, got to, the the film vultures yeah what is it yeah. about yeah what is it what's the epi- yeah what is it what was that experience like what, what what can people glean from that episode from the film vultures i believe yes uh miss burns is great as always and i was on there <laughs> what you- but we did uh we did a uh, top five uh, uh top five uh women Movies directed by female women. directed women, yeah, yeah, female, female directed direct- movies, <laughs> but female directors pretty much. And then I did the top five, and then I did the top five shorts, and I cheated on one of the shorts. And my top five actually has six, <laughs> number zero. I break, I break all the rules, but I was six beers in, and it sounds like it too. So <laughs> fair okay. winning there, but uh, yeah, you can watch the rest of the film, Walters, because uh, they got Diana I- Vandy Camp, Florence Brummer, Geo, and I think, I think Avery is coming on the next episode so you listen to all those well Skip those right film vaulters eric those film vaulters class up classed up the joint did you do the same did you class up the joint with those five beers or was that lack no. of professional no. didn't bleed I, through I, the episode I, I brought it way down i'm surprised mitch burns <laughs> even put it out but you know good on him i suppose <laughs> i was like i listen back on it it's like oh my god this is not good but uh mitch burns is great i i think i uh and I think it, I, I think I brought him down a couple notches, which, okay. but okay. he'll he'll bring it back up when he's when he has Avery on there. 
Eric Holmes, that self-deprecating air does not fit you. That is my gig. I'm the self-deprecator. I'm the self-deprecating guy. You're self-deprecating because it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know what, Bruce, can we keep put a moratorium on self-deprecating Eric Holmes? Because George, whatever George Gallo says is gospel to me. So whenever, <laughs> whenever you put yourself down, we need, I wasn't, I wasn't six years in a, when I was talking to George. You need to have a Chiron and the Chiron just has to have that quote below him at all times. <laughs> right from George Gallo. Definitely check out George Gallo's really wonderful. I was making fun of Eric, um, Eric Holmes earlier in the episode, but that's a really wonderful compliment that George Gallo gave to Eric Holmes um, regarding. And yeah, you got to check out that really bite. And Bruce, you're going to really love that bite as well. Let's go to our recommends. The little, I, you know what? Speaking of Chiron's and our introduction, Bruce, can you say something about our our wonderful buddy Pete Abeda before he drops something or rocks something? Uh, Pete, yeah, Pete is like is known. He's known for one thing. Well, he's known for two things. Sometimes he drops them. Sometimes he rocks them. But he always brings the beat. All right, thank you, Bruce. That is Pete Abeda, Chairman. Of middle class film class. Thank you, Pete, for yes, you know sir. What? Yes, Eric. Oh, 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 we, we 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 just based on what happened last week, we missed the uh, we missed the joke. Oh, Pete, drop that supercell. What? Yo, what? yo, Pete, drop that tweet. <laughs> you guys see that? Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> Did you hear about that, Bruce? Yeah, Peter Beta. I I don't know. I've got to find where you can follow Peter Beta at Twitter. Eric Holmes, Bruce, and I, I'm going to speak for all of us three. We are horrible at social media. Peter Beta is very good at communicating his thoughts on the Twitterverse and different socials. His, I think a, one of his tweets, I believe on the Scream franchise, how it was sort oh, of yeah. backwards looking. <laughs> it received, I think, I have to look at Twitter, but last time I checked it out, it had like, like 80,000 views, that tweet. That's amazing. So it went really viral. So congratulations. Oh, yeah, but- but people were shitting on him. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like what? And then I read his tweet. I'm like, his tweet was not wrong. Yeah. That's what he gets for actually tweeting something very insightful. And it's, it's called an opinion and it really went viral. A lot of people went after Pete. So yes, Pete right. drop that tweet. Remove your hand from the box and you die. That's in the box. pain all right we had that was a peter beta segment that lasted 20 minutes but what he's dropping he drops everywhere he drops he's a mega viral podcaster okay so he tyler and joseph they do a great job over at middle class film class now let's get to i know there before we get to the big recommend this week for the box bruce you have a couple of mini recommends can that we can shoehorn onto this episode do you want to shoehorn them or do you want to go right up the tree I'll do them mini really fast. I'll do them really fast. So I won't go into detail. Uh, I did listen to Anderson this morning talking about women talking. He kind of was very lukewarm on it. I watched women talking and liked it a lot more. He doesn't like women talking. He likes to keep them quiet. It's, it's Avery and Anderson together watching women yeah. talking. That'd be interesting. Uh, but women talk. Well, the reason I watched it was they had it for free on Amazon for four days or four or five days. They dropped it in the middle of the week, uh, basically till Oscar night. So if you got in that window, you got to see it for free. Right now it's back, I believe, to rental or purchase. I'm not sure what it is now. So I thought, what the heck? I'll watch it because I have a chance uh, without him to pay a lot of money. And I thought it was pretty excellent. Um, And I think that Eric, Eric, you didn't watch it, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, I think Eric would be potentially really interested in this because essentially 
the one thing they said on their review over there at the film vault was it's like 12 angry women. And that is actually not a bad way to describe it. Well, well, why would you not like it? Sorry, Bruce. Why would you like not like the movie? Or Well, I mean, if you're just not in those movies that are talking movies, this is a talking movie, as you might expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it essentially, it could be a play almost, although uh, Sarah Polly's direction, her writing as well, which she just won an Oscar for, by the way. But her direction is really, really good in this. And it it intercuts a lot of different... um, there's like flashbacks or scenes that illustrate a scene, something that's being talked about while they're debating what they should do. Uh, once again, I didn't even say what the basic concept is. Basic concept, it's like a Amish Mennonite community, something like that. And the women for years have been terrorized. Um, they've been getting attacked at night, raped, all kinds of terrible things. But they've been convinced by this religious insular community that it's, you know, it's either dreams or their imagination or demons or all kinds of stuff. And they discover someone crawling into a room that is a person while the men are away trying to bail out the guy who got caught and is in trouble with the actual law. They have so many hours to decide what they're going to do with their community. And they have three choices, Uh, do nothing or fight to fight within the community to change it or leave. And essentially, it's almost like a courtroom drama. You've got all the different women in the community, from little girls to older women to, you know, young middle adults, all discussing the reasons they should or shouldn't leave or what they should do. And within that cast, you've got Rooney Mara, the standouts. There's a lot of people in there, but the standouts to me was Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, and Jesse Buckley. And there's a whole bunch more, but they are all, as you might expect, dynamite. I wasn't bored at all in this movie, and I thought it was pretty, pretty fine movie. So, well, uh, did, were you okay? So, you, were you ever worried that going into this, you well, you knew it was critically acclaimed, but the idea of the construct of it might be just what that one claustrophobic setting, even though there are flashbacks, were you worried? And do you think that's a worry that people should just erase going into this movie? For me, I would say yes, erase it. But also, I can see that if it doesn't hit you right, it could be just. People that don't like, you know, very talk-heavy movies, either courtroom dramas or Woody Allen movies or those kind of movies. films. Yeah, movies that are very, very dialogue-heavy. If that's just absolutely not your thing, well, then this is not going to be your thing because obviously it is that. I mean, it's a masterclass of acting and, and watching people really portray different sides of an issue, which to me makes it a great courtroom drama, essentially, because you really have people debating uh, a central issue and coming up with all sides of that issue. Unlike uh, the one that we didn't like, <laughs> the St. Omer, I think Eric would probably really like this movie. Uh, uh, what, what did you say? You <laughs> that? I love St. Omer. How dare you, Bruce? But in fairness, Bruce and Eric. I thought Eric, Eric wasn't St. Omer a top 10 for you, Eric? No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There's no comment from Eric. No, I, Cinematography I, was really good. That's that's fair. That's fair. And they had a nice Nina Simone song at the end of the movie. But that Saint Omer really loved that movie. Eric and Bruce did not like. But what is your rating, Bruce, on Women Talking? Um, I'm going to go four and a half stars. It probably gets an extra half star for a character actually uttering "shut your pie holes" in this movie. So that alone, there's there is some comedy in here too. Believe it or not. So oh, very, anyway, very yes, good. Women Talking. Um, definitely. Yeah. The other Contrary really quick to popular one. belief, women are funny. Yeah. Wow. They have all kinds of different attitudes. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely can't wait to see women talking. Scream 6, very hyped film, Bruce. Yeah. Scream 6. I'm not going to talk about it too much other than to say, like, if you saw the last one about a year ago, you've got some of the same characters um, holding over, Uh, especially you got Jenna Ortega and uh, added into that, you have Courtney Cox coming back. You've got Hayden Penitary, who was in, I think, four 
And you've got Dermot Mulrooney and a bunch of other characters. This is kind of, this is three-star banger territory. I liked it actually at a four-star, but this is like, and it's kind of funny that this is, I think, what Pete says. It's kind of like the uh, Fast movies or whatever. If you like this kind of movie, you know what you're getting into, you're going to be happy with this movie. If this isn't your kind of movie, it's not for you. It's just, this is a movie that gives you what you want from a screen movie, you know? Gives you all the twists, gives you all the kills. It's got some great set pieces. It's well-produced. I had a ton of fun with this movie. I, I'm probably four stars of this. Okay, so four stars on well, for oh, but you gave it a three star banger. But so I think for most people that I, falls I, I in the category. Gun. You jumped the gun. Okay, so four stars yeah, from sorry. Bruce Perky on Scream Six is no no. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm surprised, Eric. You didn't see Scream Six over the weekend. Is it just too busy over the weekend, or you're not a fan, huge fan of the franchise? Like I, I, I've okay. seen all of them up to the last one. I've not seen the new one. Uh, just it just doing some. Doing some other stuff behind the scenes, so didn't get many movie watchings in this week. Wow, okay. How well, very I, yeah. I will say I waited almost a year to watch the new one. I wasn't really enthused by it, and I really ended up enjoying it. And I think if it's a good place to kind of drop in and see if you want to watch this one too. So Okay. Speaking of dropping in, Jack Fitzpatrick over at what is it, Eric Holmes, his YouTube channel, Let's Crash This Parade. He does yeah, movie and TV reviews, does a really bang up job, really works hard, hours upon hours, just crafting great video content for his wonderful YouTube channel. Again, Let's Crash This Parade. He actually submitted a box movie, which Bruce watched. Tell our listeners, Bruce, what this movie is. And Jack has great taste. So this might be a good one. Yes, it is a good one. And uh, this is, once again, like we had a few weeks ago, we had, uh, was it Kenny Kenny and Company? I think it was. Yes, Kenny and Company. Every so often you get those movies that are just like, you've never heard of them. They never get talked about. They are absolutely under the radar. This is one of those movies. It's called uh, Boys in the Trees from 2016. I believe it's an Australian production, so that might be part of it. I don't know what kind of release it had over here. Uh, right now, you can only rent it over here. So that also probably makes it a little harder. I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up on and off on streaming services. So kind of keep an eye out for Boys in the Trees. Uh, directed by Nicholas Verso. Uh, basic... Ooh, how to describe this movie? I'll do it really as quick as I can because I know we're kind of going on for a while. Um, the, the basic concept of this is you've got a bunch of – it's in the 90s, supposedly. This is filmed in 2016, taking place in the 90s. you got a bunch of kids, like skate dudes, all hanging out. They're probably all like late teens, like you know, 17, 16, 17, 18. Uh, one of them is named Corey. He's kind of one of the group, and they're just all – being rowdy and it's like a few days or it's actually Halloween night, but early on Halloween night, they're all at the skate park doing all this crazy stuff. And they pick on this one kid, Jonah, and you get the feeling really quickly that they've been picking on this kid for a long time, even to the point of they uh, take a, the Corey kid takes a photo of him and uh, that's Corey's into photography. Corey's our main guy. You can kind of get the feeling like he's not quite as bad as the other kids, but he's kind of fallen in with this group. He takes, they, he takes a photograph. His friends say, give me that photograph. And they photograph, you know, make a million photocopies of it and post it all over the place with F word type epithets on it. Obviously they've been bullying this kid for a lot of his school life. This little, this kid named Jonah. And I think I take it back. I think it starts a few days before Halloween because it leads up to Halloween night. And on Halloween night, Corey's with the group. They're drinking, they're being rowdy, they're being obnoxious. And he is just kind of getting over it. He's not really enjoying his friend group and he fades away from them and he meets up 
and he finds this kid, Jonah, the picked on kid in the skate park all alone. And the kid falls and he, and he helps him up. And you discover quickly, like, this is one of those situations where when they were young, and this is really re- relatable for a lot of people, I'm sure, when they were young kids, they were best friends. And as they grew older, Corey became too cool for Jonah. Jonah became the picked on kid. And they've, you know, Jonah's kind of been, you know, betrayed and forgotten by his once best friend. And the whole movie essentially ends up being these two together for all of Halloween night. And you get you get their adventures on that night with uh, Jonah kind of telling him, he kind of tells him different stories about the area, like kind of uh, legends that have happened in their town. And you get little reenactments of that. But you also get the actual events of their past and how they became estranged and kind of what some horrible stuff that went down. And all of this is done in sort of a magic realism in and out of this movie. It goes in and out of reality and even almost kind of maybe supernatural aspects as well. It's a really good movie. Uh, I think some comparisons have been like stand by me mixed with like a Stephen King Well, Stephen King is stand by me, but more of that, a more of a um, little darker than stand by me, but it has those kind of combination of nostalgia and regret and, there's some other stuff going on there. This is a really good movie and really I bet would be underestimated by people who see the the posters and stuff. They might think it's just a a cheesy slasher movie. Not that at all. Is it evocative? It is. It's really good. This is this is this is worth watching for sure. People okay. should search this one out. So what is your rating for Boys in the Trees? Um I think I'm gonna go four stars, but as I sit with it, it could go higher. This is definitely so, a surprise, a surprise movie. Yeah, You know, it's so funny you mentioned that, Bruce. I was reading some of these while you were, you were doing the reviews, checking out some of these Rotten Tomato reviews of Boys in the Trees. One of the headlines is, the more I think about this movie, the more I like it. Just, It's one of these movies that probably when you let it sit and see within you for a while, you might even upscale the review. So That, and I think that it kind of depends on where you're at in your life too. Some of those kind of movies, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can imagine when you're, a, you know, a, a kid that's had a certain kind of experience in your life anywhere from like 15 to 30 in that era of your life, this could really resonate hard too, because there's a lot of things you might not have actually worked through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or not regret, that you do by yeah. the time you're my age, but a lot of times by my age, you've, you've at some point come to some kind of peace with those sort of things. But if you haven't, this could hit you really, really hard. Okay. So that is Boys in the Trees, four stars from Bruce Perky. Again, if you're stateside, suggested by Jack Fitzpatrick, if you are stateside, it is only available for rental. That said, obviously, Bruce, worth a rental. So it was yeah, worth for sure. Okay. Boys in the Trees. Maybe I definitely want. Sounds like a movie definitely to check out. Yeah, Last several weeks, man. Kenny and Company. What a great suggestion from Dave Gulick. What a great movie. And now Boys in the Trees. I wish I was actually able to watch that with you. But maybe next week with your choice for What's in the Box, we'll find. It might be something very interesting. Yeah, so maybe it will. Let's in the bleeding box. Well, what's in the box? What's in the box? No, I should have been already doing this before I... No worries. What's in the box? We got no time. What's in the box? (laughs) I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so (laughs) slow. I keep telling myself, every week I tell myself, why don't I just pick it right beforehand so I'll already know what it is beforehand? I don't ever do it. Well, at least Greg didn't try to end the show before he got to choose this. right? I have to unwrap this little thing so I can read what the hell I'm doing. Oh, darn my friends. Okay. All right.
Have we seen this one already? Oh mm. my god, my memory is so terrible. No, Encanto? no, no. Did we watch Encanto? Encanto. I, I think you did see Encanto. Yes, you, you I think did, I did see Encanto. Encanto. You didn't see Encanto. Yes. Yeah, I saw Encanto. That's it's the an, animated maybe, one, right? Yeah, it's a double. Right, here's one I have not seen. Okay. This is... Uh, oh, this was suggested by Kate from Walk the Cinema. Walk the Cinema. Oh, yes, you never hear someone Walk the Cinema. It's a lot of fun. They just did their um, Oscars recap. Uh, the 20th Century. I have not seen The 20th Century. The 20th Century sounds familiar, but it sounds like very interesting. Eric Holmes, have you seen The 20th Century? I have not. Okay. All right. That's 20th Century from... Kate from the Walk the Cinema podcast, Eric Holmes, has been a guest, I think, a couple of times, or is that Bruce? Both of them have been guests on separate episodes of the Walk the Cinema podcast. Before we go, before Eric goes to his local lake for some fun and spiritual, is a spiritual retreat with the family. Any final thoughts, Eric Holmes? I don't know about spiritual, but a (laughs) retreat, certainly. (laughs) Good, good. Uh, yeah, check out Walk the Cinema. The the Oscar recap's good. Check out uh, the Film Vaulters with Mitch Burns, real good. Mm-hmm. Check out the Film Vaults, Brian Anderson. That's okay, real cool. good. Yeah. Just check out everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, they made a really good run at the Oscars. As per usual, final thoughts from Bruce Berge. Well, um, I just listened to Middle Class Film Class today and they were talking about air bud which i advise you go check it out it's very fun and um they may or may not on the next episode i just wrote them my concept for the a24 reboot of air bud and you might be interested in checking what that's gonna be like <laughs> wow that's gonna be very interesting check out air bud on middle class film class we will see you here next week for a review of the samuel fuller film the naked kiss until then have a great week watching 